us. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend or may be able to understand with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. That you might be able to know the height. Amen. The breadth the depth, the length, the height, that you might be able to know and understand the love of Jesus Christ with which passes knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Amen. And I want to preach tonight for just a little while on this thought, the love of Jesus. Amen. The 3D rather, the 3D love of Jesus. Amen. Tell your neighbor there's three dimensions to the love of Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. There's something powerful and increasingly engaging about viewing something that is three-dimensional. The objects leap out at you. Viewing a movie or a presentation in two-dimensional perspective just does not have the same effect. Two dimensions, two-dimensional entertainment is it's entertaining, while three-dimensional entertainment is interactive. An object flying toward the screen in traditional two-dimensional projection brings awareness. We know it's there, we know it's happening, but in three dimension, it demands a response. A pot, a pan, a, a ball, any kind of projectile that is launched toward the screen elicits, elicits a reactive motion from us. If you ever seen anything in 3D, it's just an instinct that something comes flying and and you know, in your mind, you know it's just an inanimate object that's not really there, but your instincts take over and you move yourself to get out of the projective of that coming because it's, it's interactive. For that third dimension of depth to be perceived, that's what the third dimension is. The, the two dimensions are height and, and width, but that third dimension is depth. And in order for that third dimension to be perceived, there has to be more than one image viewed. A singular vision will only enable us to perceive the height and the width. But that third dimension is only possible when there is a second image that is viewed. Physically, all the time, whether you know it or not, we, are view we actually are seeing two different images. Right? One eyeball is seeing one image and the other eyeball is seeing another image. And somewhere in the brain, it's all mixed together to form one image, but it's those two different images that actually give us the ability to perceive depth. So there has to be more than one image. That's why those funny looking red and blue lens glasses, that's what they do. Because on the screen, there's one image in red and right next to it, there's another image in blue. And when you have those glasses on, the eyeball with the red lens over it is seeing the red image and the blue, the blue lens is seeing the blue image and in your brain, again, they're brought together and that's what gives that third dimension of depth. Paul writes to the church at Ephesians 
and said, my prayer is that not only will you comprehend the length and the height, not only will you perceive the width of the depth of the, of the love of Christ rather, but that you would also be able to comprehend the depth of his love. Amen. I feel the passion. Amen. As I read that, I feel the passion in the prayer of the apostle Paul as he writes to the church there at Ephesus in a chapter that he addresses the mysterious plan of God that has been revealed in this dispensation of grace. He calls it the eternal purpose of God. In other words, God purposed this from the very beginning, that it would be an inclusive grace of God. Amen, inclusive in the sense that it was all, not only for the Jews, but it was for the Gentiles as well. Amen, and Paul is saying that you've got to be able to see, amen, that there is a depth to the love of God. Amen, it's not for one group of people, it's not for a certain group, of people, but it is for everybody. He writes now in Ephesians to both the Jew and the Gentile believers that had experienced the grace of God. And he says, my prayer for you is that you will understand not just the dimensions, not just how high the love of God is, not just how wide the love of God is, but my prayer for the church is that you will comprehend and understand the depth of the love of God. Amen. The three dimensional love of God, a love that is not just there to entertain. It's not some flat 2D love of God that is just there for our entertainment, but it is an interactive love of God. It demands a response from the people of God. It demands a response from the church and it also demands a response from the world today. Oh, that we would understand the depth of the love of God. Amen. It is truly a love for every person. It is for the rich and it's also for the poor. It's for the up and coming and it's for the down and out. It's for the young and it's for the old. Amen. It's for every color. It's for every race. It's for every nationality. Amen. I wonder, can we thank him right now for the love of God? Amen. I pray as Paul prayed that you would know the love, the depth of the love of God. And for just a few minutes this evening, I want to look at the book of Luke for three images that demonstrate this 3D, the three dimensions of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Just as 3D films can only be 3D when there is a slightly different image that is viewed, the depth of God's love can only be expressed through these added images of his demonstration. And when we bring these images together that I'm going to present to you in the scripture, we not only see the height of his love and the width of his love, but additionally, we see the depth of just how much Jesus Christ loves humanity. Amen. And for just a few minutes, I want to present to you these three images of the love of Jesus Christ as expressed in his word to hopefully bring to your understanding tonight the depth of how much Jesus loves you and how much he loves me and how much he loves, amen, this community, how much he loves Grand Rapids, Minnesota, how much he loves, amen, the community that we are in, the world that we are in today. How many of you still believe that old Sunday school song? Yes, Jesus loves me. Amen. Amen. In order to grasp the magnitude and the depth of the love of Jesus, we must understand, first of all, that no two people in this building are the same. Our lives are different. Our stories are different. 
Our capabilities and our limitations are unique. We're all coming from different places. We have different testimonies to tell. We're all even at different points in our walk with God. Did you know that? We're all at different, we can't compare ourselves with one another because I've not been through what you've gone through. I'm not where you're at right now, amen? But can I tell you, no matter where you're at and no matter where you're coming from, one thing I know, and that is that Jesus loves you. So we come with different questions. We carry different baggage and we come from different directions, but hopefully arriving at this same point tonight. The first image that I would bring to our attention is found in Luke chapter eight, where the scripture tells us of a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, a story that I'm certain you've heard preached before or at least talked about. The language that is used to introduce this woman is very specific and it's very unique language that is used by the writer Luke. And the Bible tells us that she had spent all of her living on physicians and had not been healed of any. Amen, we read that and we just brush on by it because we wanna get to the hem of his garment. Amen, we wanna get to the miracle. We wanna get to that virtue coming forth from Jesus and now she's made whole. But I think we rush past it and we miss some things. Amen, we read Bible stories and we don't put human feeling and human emotion into it. We may pause long enough to pause in their shoes for a moment, but we don't step in to their emotions. We don't consider what that woman that had been dealing with an issue of blood for 12 years, what she was feeling in that moment. And so I want to pause for just a moment and ask you with me to put yourself into this woman's sandals, I guess would be appropriate for just a moment tonight. For 12 years, she had spent, she had given, she had put her hope and her trust in every doctor that she could find. She had visited physician after physician, each promising that their practice would provide the remedy that she had been longing for. But the Bible tells us that every doctor she went to and the more that she spent, nothing changed. And now she doesn't have any money left. She's broke and literally the Bible tells us she is busted. Mark 5 and 26 says it this way. She had suffered many things of many physicians. Anybody feel that way? Amen, I've had a few operations. I can't tell you that I feel like I've gotten much better, but anyhow, she had suffered many things of many physicians. She had spent all that she had, and Mark said she got no better, but rather she grew worse. Can I ask you right now as you put yourself in that lady's shoes, amen, when you've gone to doctor after doctor, every time you walked into that doctor's office, you thought this is gonna be the one. This is gonna be the visit that turns everything around. This is gonna be the physician. My friend told me that if I'll come to this doctor, they're gonna be the one that's going to cure what's ailing me. And yet the Bible tells us visit after visit, she takes the money from her purse and from her account and puts it on the table, but doesn't get any better. Amen. After 12 years of doctor after doctor and, and dollar after dollar and, and nothing has gotten better. In fact, she's worse than when she first started going to the doctor. And now somebody walks in the room and tells her, there's a man passing by who has the ability to cure you. There's a man passing by, amen. There's a man entering into a Capernaum that has the ability to heal you. Now I know, we know about Jesus and so we shout and, and we get excited at the news of Jesus passing by. But if you put yourself in that woman's shoes, what is your first response? I, I, don't, I don't think she jumped up. 
I don't think she ran out the door to go and find Jesus. Amen. If you have suffered from every situation in your life that promised a solution, you're probably not racing out the door at the news that another one has come along. If you spent every dollar that you have at the empty promises of doctors and physicians that friends have referred you to, and now another friend tells you, oh no, this one's gonna be different. Amen, you probably don't jump up and race out the door. Amen, but I, I, I believe that this woman wrestled with skepticism. I believe that she struggled with cynicism. Amen, I believe that she had a little bit of a bout with doubt. Amen. And I believe even we can look in the scripture and find that she delayed. Amen. She didn't jump up out of her off of her couch and run to where Jesus was. Amen. Mark 5 and 27 says it this way. When she had heard about Jesus. Amen. When she had heard, past tense, amen, she heard about Jesus. And maybe you would say, well, preacher, you're reading a little, you're just getting into semantics right now. That's not really what it meant, but, but continue reading when the scripture says, amen, when she finally gets there, she came in behind Jesus. That word actually means after the crowd. She came after everybody else had gotten there. Why? Because she was sitting at home wrestling with cynicism and wrestling with skepticism. Amen. And finally she gets up the courage and says, I'm going to go to where Jesus is. And she's on the outside looking in. Amen. She comes in after the crowd, after the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus had come and gotten a hold of Jesus and said, would you please come and heal my daughter who is on her deathbed? After the crowd has already gathered, finally she gets there. But can I tell you, she was late to the party. Amen. Perhaps she sat there on her couch for a few minutes after the news that Jesus was passing through Capernaum. Maybe it was an hour. I could see her in my mind's eye rocking back and forth on that couch, trying to make up in her mind, am I going to give it one more try or am I going to give up? up. Amen. This woman wrestling with the issue of blood, but she comes to the point somewhere in this battle in her mind where she realizes I've literally got nothing to lose. Amen. She had nothing left. All of her money was gone. Amen. 12 years, all the doctors, she had been through all of them. And she finally came to the place and she said, I've got nothing to lose. I've spent everything that I had. I've tried everything that I could try. And I'm preaching to somebody in this house tonight. Amen. That you might be a little late to the party. You might be wrestling with skepticism and cynicism. Amen. You might feel like tonight you've got nothing to lose. Amen. And I want to tell you, you're right. Jesus is the answer. Amen. I want to tell you that Jesus is the answer. I want to give you an image of just how much Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter tonight if you came wrestling with doubt and you're not really sure if Jesus is the answer. I want you to know your doubt doesn't scare Jesus away. Amen. Your cynicism does not drive Jesus away. Amen. It doesn't matter what direction you're coming from. If you're coming from behind, if you're coming after everybody else, Jesus still loves you. I wonder if anybody came to Jesus and you felt like you were late to the party. Amen, you feel like you had missed a few opportunities, but when you came, did he reject you? When you came, did he say, get out of here? No, he didn't. Amen, he opened his arms and virtue came out of him. What a mighty God we serve tonight. Somebody ought to give him praise. What a mighty God we serve tonight. 
The Bible says when she came from behind, Jesus is, is gathered around by this press, by this crowd. Amen. She comes from behind. She comes after everybody else because she's late to the party. And she, she, it, it seems like from the image that we get that she is crawling through the crowd. And finally, she gets a hold of the hem of his garment. And what does Jesus do? If you read, I love the response of Jesus. Let me tell you what he does to those that are coming late to the party, that are coming after him. Jesus stops and he turns around. Around. Amen. He doesn't just keep on walking. He doesn't even just stop, but he turns and puts his attention on her. Amen. I want to tell somebody tonight, the attention of God is upon you. Amen. I don't care if you're a doubter, if you're a skeptic, if you're a cynic. Amen. The attention of God is in this house tonight. Amen. I'm, I'm trying to get us to see the three-dimensional love of Jesus. It's not just so high that you can't get over it. It's not just so wide that you can't get around it. But there is a depth to the love of Jesus uh, that even if you're late to the party, Jesus loves. And if we're going to reach the world... If we're going to reach the world, River of Life, that's what this weekend is about. Amen. This weekend was titled Reach Our World. And if we're going to reach our world, we're going to have to love people that are late to the party. Amen. We're going to have to love people that stayed in drugs longer than they should have. We're going to have to love people that stayed in alcoholism longer than they should have. Amen. We're going to have to love people that doubted longer than they should have. But when they walk through that back door, we've got to turn. Amen. When they walk into this church, we've got to turn and we've got to love them with the love of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, we've got to love like Jesus loves. It's not just a love that is high, it's not just a love that is wide, but there is a depth. Again, if you're here tonight and you were late to anybody but me, you squandered a few opportunities. You waited a little. I grew up in a preacher's home. Amen. And, and yet there were years of my life that I squandered opportunities. How many times I sat in my chair when altar calls were given because I was wrestling with things inside of me. But I'm so thankful that when I walked down to that, that altar, Jesus turned. Amen. And he faced me. And not just Jesus, but the church. Amen. It opened its arms and it embraced me and it loved me. And that's the kind of church that we've got to be in 2023. Amen. Because there are hurting people that have been in this world longer than they should have. But they're going to come because they come to themselves and say, I've got nothing to lose. I pray tonight, God, let the alcoholic come to themselves and realize they've spent everything they had on another bottle and that next bottle didn't do anything for them. I pray that they would come to themselves and realize they have nothing to lose. Can we just thank God for the revival he's going to give us? Can we thank God for the revival of those that are going to come? Amen. 12 years, they've been, they've been battling with issues. Amen. They're wrestling with doubt and unbelief, but God is going to draw them. Can we thank God for a revival that we can't even see yet? Amen. We're going to have to reach for those who have nothing to lose. The world has crushed their dreams. The world has promised them fulfillment in so many things and left them with nothing. The next image that I would present to you tonight is found in the concluding verses of Luke chapter 18. And here Jesus is passing through Jericho. 
And as he draws near to the city, there is a blind man begging, a man named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus hears the noise of a crowd approaching, a multitude, the Bible says. And he asks somebody, in my mind's eye, I see him reaching out and grabbing someone passing by, somebody that's a part of this multitude. And he implores them to explain to him what are all these shouts and cries about. Here's the difference, unlike that woman with the issue of blood, Bartimaeus doesn't just have nothing to lose, he has everything to lose. Amen. For Bartimaeus, it's not, a, it's not an option to wrestle with doubt and unbelief and later on you can pursue Jesus. For Bartimaeus, it's literally now or never. Jesus is passing by. He gets the news and in that instant, he's got to make a decision. Because from this moment, Jesus will pass through Jericho and then he will enter into Jerusalem. And when he gets into Jerusalem, he'll tell his disciples to go and get a borrowed colt and they'll bring that colt and Jesus will climb on the back of that colt and ride through Jerusalem and they'll throw their coats on the ground and they'll throw palm trees on the ground and they'll shout Hosanna. Seven days later, Jesus will be crucified. He's never coming this way again. Amen. Bartimaeus doesn't have the luxury of waiting. Amen. He doesn't have the luxury of a later. He does not have the ability for a pause. Amen. For Bartimaeus, who is a blind man, his disability, amen, discounts him from following after Jesus. It's either now or it's never. He's got everything to lose. Either I get a hold of Jesus right now or I'm never gonna get a hold of Jesus. Amen, Luke says that they told him Jesus is passing by. Amen, for the woman with the issue of blood, it was she heard Jesus had passed. Amen, but this for Bartimaeus, Jesus is passing by and Bartimaeus made a choice in that moment. He opened his mouth and he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David. Amen, I'm preaching somebody in the house tonight. You don't have the luxury, amen, of a later. You don't have the pleasure of a pause. Amen, today is your day. The Bible says it this way. Now is the appointed time. Today is the day of salvation. Amen, I'm preaching. They're gonna come in the doors of our church. Amen, and their lives are so broken and busted. Amen, they need Jesus right now. And they've got to have an encounter with Jesus when they walk into our church. Anybody has a testimony like that? You were desperate when you walked into church. You didn't have time to play games. I have time to sit back and fold my arms and cross my eyes at the preacher and decide if I like him or not. I didn't have that kind of luxury. I needed a miracle. I recognized that my life was headed for destruction. I was preaching two weeks ago in Dallas, Texas. And in the middle of that worship service, pastor, I was sitting, well, standing right about where you're at right now in the middle of worship and, and a, a gentleman probably, I would, I, well, later I know in his eighties come walking down around and stood right about there and raised his hands. And I looked around, everybody had, their eyes were like silver dollar, just wide open. Like a, a, one of them deers that ran out in front of me today. Amen. Like that had just happened. They just had this big deer in the headlights look, the deer looking, in the, not me looking at the deer, the deer looking at me. 
eyes wide open. Just You could tell this was not planned. This was not expected. Amen. But that man walked out of that altar and later I would find out it was first time ever being in an apostolic service. Amen. He was, from what the pastor told me, had the worst reputation of any man in that town. He was a philanderer. He was a mean, angry man. Amen. And just a couple of weeks before, the, the doctors had given, when the moment he walked into that church, he had one week to live. Amen. He didn't have the pleasure of a pause. He didn't have the luxury of a later, but he walked down to that altar and he raised his hands. He repented of his sins and in a few seconds time, he was speaking in a heavenly language. Amen, I'm gonna tell you, there's gonna be some Bartimaeuses that are gonna walk into our church. Amen, and when they walk in, we've got to have a Jesus for them. We've got to have an answer for them. Amen, they're coming, Bartimaeus is coming. Bartimaeus is coming. He's not here to play games. Amen. He knows he needs Jesus. Amen. I wish somebody would join me right now and say, come on, Bartimaeus. You've come to the right place. We've got what you've been looking for. Jesus is in the house. They're going to come. Amen, they're gonna come with terminal illnesses. They're gonna come with addictions that nobody else could cure. They're gonna come having tried everything else in this world and they're empty and they're broken and their reputations are terrible, but they're gonna walk into this church and God is going to do an instant work in their lives. Come on, you've got to get an image of the depth of the love. He loves the woman with the issue of blood. He turned for her, but he also loves Bartimaeus. He loves the one that will cry out and say, Jesus, I need you now. We get so worried about what somebody else is going to think about us. Hey, well, you, brother, say, you don't understand up in the north, we're more quiet. I don't care where you're from. If you need Jesus, you need Jesus. Ain't no culture that, that determines how desperate you are for Jesus. It's on the inside of you. It don't matter where you live or what, what community you're from. When you need Jesus, you don't care what, what city, what state you're from, what region of the world you're from. Something inside of you cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, I've got to have you now. Others, crowd said, Bartimaeus, shut up. Sorry, quiet down. I know your parents spend all that time telling your kids not to say that, and then you come to church and the preacher says it. Bartimaeus, quiet down. You're, you're, going, you're going to disturb Jesus. Amen. But, but Bartimaeus, the Bible says he cried out all the louder why he was desperate. It's now or never. I've got everything to lose. I've got to get the amen. And you can be in church all of your life. You can be raised in the church, but you can come to a point in your life that you've got to have a now visitation from God. It can be a Saturday night in the middle of a Reach Our World Missions Conference that somebody says, I don't care what everybody around me thinks. I've got to get a hold of Jesus. The Bible says that as Zacchaeus, I'm sorry, Bartimaeus cried louder for the woman with the issue of blood, he turned because she was coming from behind. She was coming after. For Zacchaeus, who in that moment needed Jesus, and he realized if Jesus kept walking, his miracle was going to move on. The Bible says that Jesus stood. 
He stood still. He said, Zacchaeus, I know what you need right now is you just need me to stop. Amen. Can I tell you, that's the 3D. That's the third dimension of the love of Jesus. He knows where you're coming from. He knows what you're going through. He hears that desperation in the voice of Bartimaeus. And listen, nobody else in this building may know where you're at, but Jesus knows where you're at. This preacher may not know where you're coming from, but Jesus knows where you're coming from. And when somebody gets desperate, I want to tell you, Jesus will stop. I thank God for being in a spirit-filled church. I thank God for being in a church that's sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Where we're not about singing three songs, preaching a 30-minute sermon, and going out and having, uh, we're going to have pizza and wings later. That's not what I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to make a point. It's not about getting through our agenda. It's about, okay, God, if you want to move right now, we'll stop here. Amen. We'll linger here because I heard somebody, somebody in the crowd is crying out for Jesus. Somebody in the building needs Jesus. Amen. Somebody here can with the need. It's not about getting through our three songs. Somebody needs Jesus, so we're going to stop. For the woman who had nothing to lose, Jesus turns and faces her. For the blind man who had everything to lose, Jesus stood still. If you've got nothing to lose or everything to lose, Jesus is the answer. And if we're going to reach our world, we're going to have to stop and lose people. Or, no, we're going to not lose people. We're going to have to stop and love people who have everything to lose. They're desperate for a move of God. They're desperate for Jesus. And we can't just keep on moving. We can't just keep on going. We've got to stop. They're desperate. And they need to know that there's a church that loves them. And finally, we come to the third image, and I'm, I'm going to bring it toward a conclusion. My church at home gets excited when I say that, even though it means nothing. <laughs> this, third, this third image that I would bring our attention to in Luke chapter 19 is a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And unlike the woman with the issue of blood who spent everything, and unlike the blind man sitting by the road begging Zacchaeus is introduced in scripture as a man of status and a man of wealth. He is the chief tax collector, the writer says, and he is rich. At face value and upon introduction, amen, and they tell us that the first three seconds that you meet somebody, that introduction, you make up your mind about them. Amen, you decide in the first three seconds whether or not you like somebody. And that's why I keep this cool hairdo. Man, because most people see it and they don't even see me. They see their image in my head and they're like, I like that guy. It's like a mirror image. You can't not like me because it's you that you see when you look at me. But we build, this, we build this mindset in the church that only beggars need Jesus. That only the broken and the busted need Jesus. That only people with issues need Jesus. That only people that on the outside, they look like they're broken and they look like they have needs. That they're the only people that need Jesus. And Zacchaeus at perception, amen, he would look like somebody who had nothing to gain by meeting Jesus. He's already got status. He's already got riches. He's got everything the world says you could ever want. Amen. By the world standards, Zacchaeus had it all. What could Zacchaeus possibly gain by meeting Jesus? He had climbed the corporate ladder. He had scaled the summit of world's wealth and riches. 
Yet here's what we don't always know. On the outside, it may look like they've got everything, but on the inside, there was something haunting Zacchaeus. Amen. There was something inside of Zacchaeus that said, I may have wealth and I may have status. And some of you are choosing to pass up Jesus because you're pursuing wealth and you're pursuing corporate rank. Amen. But I want to tell you, they cannot give you what Jesus can give you. And the woman with the issue of blood, she came from behind. The blind man, when he heard, in the moment he came. But the Bible says that Zacchaeus ran ahead. Amen. Zacchaeus came to where Jesus was and he saw, I can't get to him right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run ahead. Amen. Can I tell you today that when you really want Jesus, nothing will stop you from getting to him. I don't care what direction you're coming from. I don't care what your problem is. When you really want Jesus, six inches of snow won't stop you from getting to church. Amen. A blizzard won't stop you from getting to church when Jesus is really what you want. Amen. The woman with you is your blood said, I'll crawl to get there. The blind man said, I'll cry to get there. Zacchaeus said, I'll climb to get there. Ain't nothing going to stop me from getting to Jesus. I know it's Saturday night, but I need Jesus. Amen. I know it's, amen, there's a lot going on, but I, I can't let the crowd keep me from getting to Jesus. I wish somebody, I know it's Saturday night and the snow is falling, but I wish somebody just say, I've got to get a little more Jesus tonight. Come on, I, I just need to get a hold of the hem of his garment. I just need him to call my name. I just need him to look up in the tree where I'm at. Hallelujah. There, there is a certain quality about Zacchaeus that I believe we need a good baptism in the church today of. And I'm not just talking this church, I'm talking about the church. Amen. How have you know where, where Elisha was when, when the Lord called him? He was, he was in the field working. Amen. He was doing something. Before God called him, he was doing something. I, b I believe in this hour. You know, Zacchaeus, before Jesus called him, Zacchaeus was pursuing. Zacchaeus was successful in this world because he was working to climb the corporate ladder. There was some motivation in Zacchaeus. And, and I look at the enemy trying to, to take the church down through a spirit of apathy that comes on the church. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. How do you know I'm preaching a little bit right now? I know I told you the wheels were coming down. We are going in for a landing. But give me just one more little, little uh, spurt of preach here right now. Amen. We need to get a baptism of passion in the church. Amen. We need to get a baptism of passion. Amen. We need to get some zeal of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need young people that have ambition to do great things with their lives. Amen. We need young men and young ladies that want to do something great for the kingdom of God. I'm not here just to passion, passion pass through this world I want to do something come on I want to leave a mark I don't just want to pass time I want to leave a mark hallelujah again I, I know up here in Minnesota y'all got great things you got snowmobiles and deer is big like, like a dinosaur crossing the road in front of me today it's like, man, look at that, look at that. It's a prehistoric beast. 
You guys got great things to do. Back, back where I'm from, though, I, I had to address, you know, there, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pick at stuff. And pastor, if I get out of line, you can, you can tell, say, bald-headed man, sit down. I'm the pastor here. But, but I had grown men in my church that were spending hours and hours and hours a day playing video games. And, and I'm not saying you're going to help with playing video games, but, but it robs the passion of you. It takes the passion out of you when you give your life to things that aren't going to matter. Amen. I pray that God would baptize the church with passion. I, I want to do something in the kingdom of God. I want to leave a mark. Amen. I don't just want to pass through. I want to do something. And I believe Jesus saw this quality in Zacchaeus and said, I can use that guy, that guy. Amen. Zacchaeus ran ahead. Zacchaeus made a decision. I want to get in God's path. I want to get where God is going. I'm going to position myself where God is going. Amen. I don't know about you tonight, but I want to get where God is going. I want to get in God's path. It's not always just about right now. Amen. No, I'm not blind and begging, but there are internal issues that if I stay on the path that I'm headed in, destruction is coming. So I'm going to make up in my mind that I'm going to get in the path of where Jesus is heading. I was talking to one of the leaders in our church. He's, he's a leader now. He's one of our trustees. He plays the bass. Great, faithful man. He and his wife just recently celebrated, I think, 30 years of, of, of being married. He told me that for the first three years he came to church, he sat in the furthest back chair he could get. If we had sat out another chair back, he'd have moved to that one. And he would sit there all service with his arms folded. He said, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hands. He said, there was so much going on in me. He said, my wife and I would drive to church and talk about getting a divorce. After church was over, we'd get back in the car and talk more about getting a divorce. He said, I, was, I, was, I came to church, but I had stuff going on inside of me. He said, then one day, though, I looked down at my little four-year-old son. And he said, I started thinking, where's my boy going to be 20 years from now? Amen. Where's my son going to be five years from now, 10 years from now? Amen. He made a decision not based upon where he was. Amen. But where he was headed. He made a decision. I'm going to run ahead. I'm making it. He made up his mind that night. Him and his wife. Amen. He came to the altar about a week later, repented of his sins, got filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And God is doing great things in his life. But some of us tonight need to get ahead. We need to run ahead and say it's not just about where I'm at right now, but it's about where I'm going. Woman with you is your blood coming after. Late to the party, Jesus turns. I love you. Bartimaeus cries out in the moment. I can't afford to let Jesus get by. Jesus stops. I love you, Bartimaeus. Zacchaeus runs ahead. Climbs up into a tree. Jesus passes by. What does he do? He looks up into the tree. No matter where you're at, no matter where you're coming from, I want you to know that is the depth of the love of Jesus Christ. That no matter what your past looks like, amen, no matter what your life looks like, no matter where you're at right now, Jesus loves you. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. Can we raise our hands together? 
And if we're going to reach our world, that's got to be our mindset. Amen. I believe this. I believe doctors and lawyers are going to come into this church. Business owners are going to come. And we're, if we're not careful, we'll look at them and say, why do they need Jesus? They've got everything this world has to offer. Amen. But they're trying to run ahead because they know there's something on the inside that if they don't change course, destruction is coming. Come on, River of Life, we're going to reach our world. You know how we're going to reach our world? We're going to love, amen, we're going to love like they've never been loved before. Amen. If they, if they climb a tree, we're going to find them. If they come crawling from behind, we're going to turn and find them. If they cry out because they're in the middle of a desperate situation, we're going to stop and we're going to love them. Yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Paul said, I pray that you would understand. Jews, Gentiles, all of you, if you could understand this dispensation of grace, that it's for everybody. I want you to think of that neighbor right now. I want you to think of that coworker right now. Amen, I want you to get somebody into your mind right now and I want you to pray right now the love of Jesus would find them where the, some of them Jesus needs to turn because they're late to the party. Amen. Some of them, Jesus needs to stop because they're desperate. Some of them are going to run ahead and Jesus is going to look up and find them in a tree. But wherever they are right now, I'm asking you to join me and we're going to pray the love of Jesus Christ.